on this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock. News content went down under on Facebook, but only temporarily. We, as a podcast, partner up with a new ad network that's making some good changes. <laughs> Spotify's new audience network and ad studio hit the spot for businesses of all sizes. We merely scratched the surface of the merits of CD quality audio, and I know we skipped some. Watch out, Joe Rogan. Jess Budd is coming for that UFC color commentary role. Find out who makes a cameo on the Cypress North blog. All on today's show. Marketing O'Clock is your weekly dose of digital marketing news. A proud part of the Search Engine Journal podcast network. We record every week from the Cypress North studios located in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Tune in to our critically acclaimed Famous Friday News Show for insights, updates, rants, and much more as we cover the full gamut of digital marketing for you. If you want to follow along, just check out our show notes or head over to marketingoclock.com for all of the links from today's articles. And please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Hey there, I'm Greg Finn. I'm Mark Saltarelli. And I'm Jess Budd. And it is officially Marketing O'Clock. Here on February 26th, 2021. Remember, you can catch our Famous Friday News Show on YouTube or your favorite podcast player each and every Friday morning. All your digital marketing news from the week. Powered by the digital marketing community. And if you want to join the conversation, just hit us up. We are at Marketing O'Clock everywhere. Happy February, everybody. What's happening? <laughs> it's, everything's a blur to me. It's all the same. It's almost March. I know. We're just doing podcasts over here. What's what's going on with you, Jess? Uh, I, quick story this week. You know that I got a new car. I told you guys this. We got a Hyundai Palisade. And we feel like we're in a secret club because we were driving down the street the other day. And there was another one coming at us. And both us and the driver in the other car waved at each other like really enthusiastically like boat owners do when they're on the river and they just like wave at each other like hey I have a boat too and I have just never felt so cool in my life. Oh my god I never <laughs> felt less cool. <laughs> Mark what's going on with you? Well, I have something else that's really not that cool. I've always been very skeptical of subscription-based services that are supposed to personalize based on your preferences. I did a coffee one, and I hated almost every single bag of coffee I got. (laughs) And I told them that. And they didn't have, like, an option to fix that because they were all super sweet, and I want bitter. Mm. And that wasn't, like, an option where you could say your sweetness preference. And I'm like, I don't want Dunkin' Donuts. (laughs) But I've been doing a wine club since the summer and they've been paying attention to all my feedback. And this last box I got, every single bottle of wine is perfect. I am so happy. Love it. So I have way too much wine in my house now. No such thing. Over at the Finn family household. I forgot to take away vacation setting privileges of my wife. And we've talked about this the past few weeks. She set up another vacation. And this one's an all-timer. You're going to Disney World? Going to a IRL NASCAR race. (gasps) And she, because my kids like NASCAR. Oh, that's right. I need to support them, right? Blah, blah, blah. 
And so that <laughs> she's like, oh, and it was only $10 more to get for multiple days. So we can go on a date the days before the real race to go see NASCAR. I'm like, Colby, what are you talking about? I want to drive two hours to go watch Kevin Harvick riding around. Like, what are we doing here? So she's, anyway, that's my life. She's NASCAR. really a romantic. Yeah. I can't wait to see the outfit you wear. <laughs> Some sort of cutoff in one, one shape or the other. And this week, if you want some more content, we actually have something releasing this weekend, a new marketing talk series, so stay tuned for that. It is going to be phenomenal. And our agency podcast, the podcast of Cypress North here run by the fabulous Jill Fetcher, has our second edition with Cole Soldwish here on the team, and they talk about that perfect match between agencies and client and what each side should look for. So go subscribe over to the agency scoop and your favorite podcast player and hey we have a voicemail today over from christoph trap call that marketing clock if you want to leave let's hear what christoph has to say hey guys it's christoph trap here from authenticstorytelling.net so regarding 3d audio when i first read about that i don't know a few weeks ago i thought what the heck is 3d audio does anybody care do we need it and then I thought back of the times when I had SD television, just regular television back in the day. And everybody said, do we really need HD? And then when we got it, of course we did. And then it turned into 4K and now there's going to be 8K. It's probably the same thing with audio. Once we get it, once we love it, we'll want to use it. We'll want to upgrade our equipment. But again, if you're just starting with your podcast, not you guys, of course, but other brands, don't let it you don't let that be an excuse to start 3D or whatever but i definitely think uh, technology will continue to evolve keep up the great work yeah and that's a good point christoph like i mean i still kind of don't have 4k or 8k or 16k or probably 2k but but you don't have a tube tv either do you? right yeah. yeah no mine's projection big screen and you listen to slipknot so you can barely hear anyway so like, what's <laughs> audio i will take that into 3d 4d all the d's of slipknot <laughs> <laughs> all right well first off in news this week i've got a big old smile on my face because i'd like to read a little ditty from google ads today we're announcing some important changes to the par Google Partners program structure and badge criteria to help you, our partners, and your clients continue to thrive. Dot, dot, dot. We've heard that many of you would like our badge requirements to be more transparent and aligned with helping you deliver on your clients' goals. We understand that you want to know exactly where you stand and what you need to do to earn the badge, and we've taken steps to meet these expectations. For example, you have the flexibility to apply or dismiss performance recommendations based on your own assessment in order to, re to meet a minimum optimization score of 70%. This is launching February 2022. OMG. I should have brought party poppers. <laughs> I almost this. got champagne. I almost <laughs> went to get champagne, but I got sidetracked at McDonald's. True story. <laughs> But yes. I, I genuinely thought that they would never come, where they listened to agencies and made that change. Mm -hmm. And what this means is the proposed partners platform, you would be required to implement seven, hit a 70% threshold. Initially, the, that wasn't there. That was then changed to 70%, which is arbitrary. But now you can dismiss recommendations. You still will have to get to that threshold, 
But if you dismiss something, say it's, you know, I it's broad match and it's 17%, you can dismiss it and that will not count against you. And um, one of our lovely Google reps emailed me and Cole here on the team just seven minutes after the it's announcement amazing. came with this highlighted. <laughs> I was responding back. I'm like, this is one of the best things ever happened. All this stuff, it was, it was actually awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't believe that someone could possibly know how you felt about this. It's weird. <laughs> it's it's weird. been a big secret. Best kept secret in the industry. <sighs> but anyway, so if so, just for clarification, because of course the PR piece, the post didn't wasn't very specific. But if you dismiss it, you can lower that score. Um, unlike the proposed change, and also PPC Rachel at PPC Rachel on Twitter <laughs> again. She's got the cur- PPC she got the <laughs> She had found out that there's a fix for creating company account strategists as well. And one of the concerns was initially with the proposed changes anybody who's on there for billing, so let's say it's billing at Cypress North or something, that they would have to be certified to hit that threshold. Mm-hmm. You now can assign who is actually a company account strategist. And you can say that we estimate you have this many account strategists. Is this correct? Yes or no? And then you can change that. So again, another step forward to making it easy and not having to kick billing off, you know, <laughs> like billing get your email address. So overall, a lot of really nice changes here. And being maybe arguably the loudest voice against this Google Partners change, I just want to say how genuinely happy I am about this. I know that the Partners program is small in the grand scheme of things, but I really took umbrage with this change because I thought that it was really underhanded to make agencies Mm -hmm. implement these changes on behalf of their clients. And it no longer is. And that matters. It does. As does being heard. I mean, I Mm -hmm. think we talk about how we joke about how at Google their departments don't even talk to each other, but they heard criticism from the community, took it into account and did something. And I just feel like that is worth noting too, that yes, it's wonderful that the change is not being made that everybody was angry about because that in and of itself was a problem. But just the fact that they took feedback into account, they took our recommendation. Right. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. And do we have search queries? No. Is it perfect? No, No. but it's a huge step in the right direction. One, quite frankly, we haven't seen in a while. A big thank you to our audience, to everybody who supported us along the way. Everybody's helped out. I mean, we did everything we humanly could to fight this um, from a scathing article in the SEJ where the cover image was a dumpster. I don't know how how they published that. Um, We commandeered the Search Engine Journal show and had Andrea Cruz and Sam Tomlinson on there. We have done any podcast that have us on and complained about this and tried to bring light to it. And we even made our fantastic design and development team made our own badge, (laughs) the client partner's badge, in case you felt left behind for giving up your Google partners. So I feel like we all, as a community, helped out to right a potential wrong and really likely helped so many small to medium-sized businesses that we'll really never know about, right, right. With, with this change. And through all the work, I mean, I do it again in a heartbeat. And big thanks, everybody, for helping out. But most importantly, for audience it means I'm not going to whine anymore. <laughs> I mean, you'll find some about, about, about that. <laughs> All right, what Just are your give th- it a few weeks. What are your thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. I 
think it's a really big change of tone from Google with a lot of the changes we've been seeing mm -hmm. over the past year have clearly been like we're trying to remove people from the equation. And now this kind of change, the big part of this is them saying we want you to look at the recommendations and apply or dismiss. And we all know the recommendations in the optimization score are pretty garbage. And they at least will now be getting human feedback on is this actually relevant to my account so they can actually start incorporating that human feedback into how they give recommendations. And ultimately that will improve their product. So this is a very wise move on their part. And I think it's nice to be included again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. I mean, cause I just typically don't look at them. Now I'll go mm -hmm. in, I will look and I will give that feedback dismissing things and hopefully they do take that into account. So that's a really good point. Mm -hmm. Great, awesome. Mark, what do you have in news? We may be giving Google a pass this week, but I think they can't let their guard down yet because there's a new advertising platform on the rise. Spotify leveled up their advertising game this week and they're coming for you, Google. They announced three big changes coming soon. The first and biggest, and it's very heavily related to the other two changes, is the announcement of the Spotify Audience Network. And this is kind of the culmination of some releases that Spotify has had over the last year, two years actually. In February 2019, Spotify acquired Anchor for podcast creation. Then they launched streaming ad insertion in early 2020 and then acquired Megaphone, a leading advertising and publishing platform for enterprise podcasts in December of 2020. With the three powers combined, they summon Earth's greatest champion, Captain Planet. <laughs> Just kidding. They're actually launching an audio advertising marketplace. Now, rather than kind of the traditional podcast advertising where everyone is just advertising by title and working with the podcast directly, or kind of you can advertise to like free Spotify users, you'll have many more options now. So first you can reach engaged audiences in screenless moments at scale on and off Spotify. And these are all quote from Spotify. Next leverage easy to use targeting tools to reach audiences that matter most, explore advanced insights powered by streaming ad insertion. So you actually will have data into how that works. And then lastly, you'll have more targeting options. Those are coming later this year, um, which is including audience-based buying, which is an alpha testing right now. And those audience-based buying options will include your basic demographics, so age, gender, location. There will be audience segments, so relating people who like fitness, for example, or gamers or luxury shoppers, and contextual targeting. The examples they gave there are people in business and in tech, or like a lifestyle audience versus a gaming audience. So we're actually developing some audiences here. So you don't have to go and find like which podcasts match my audience. You can actually just create an audience in the platform. Next, they are updating streaming ad insertion or SAI as they call it um, to 
improve what they already have, which is pretty revolutionary, being able to just put an ad into a podcast. So the big changes they're making here are they will have confirmed ad impressions. So it'll be very clear if someone listened to your ad or not. Um, the audience-based buying that we just talked about, you'll get actual streaming insights, um, native ad placements in the podcast, which is in beta, be able to see creative performance so you can see how your different audio ads are performing, and then third-party brand lift measurement. The third update, which I think will be the biggest for a lot of our listeners, is they're doing what they've always been trying to do and is to make advertising accessible to businesses of all sizes. And I think like historically, we've talked about this before where Spotify's ads that you've been able to send to their free users of the platform, they help you write the script and record it. They have much more reasonable budget minimums than other like direct buy platforms. So we kind of aren't that surprised by this, but it's really exciting to see that Spotify is actually releasing a self-service platform to go along with these changes. It's going to be called Spotify Ad Studio. And this is in a closed beta in the United States as of this week. Um, really, really exciting. I can't wait to see this actually come out. And it's really helping make these new updates accessible to everyone. What do you guys think about this wonderful update? I love it. I love more choice. I think the only issue to, to consider here is it's still the Spotify app. And I, I think the Spotify app stinks. I know that you all are fans of it, but at least on the podcast side, it really stinks. I think um, it's always buggy for me, but I'm sure they're going to figure that out. And Caleb and I, who's producing the show, we're actually talking today about just how nice everything really conjoins and fits together. When you've got Anchor and you can monetize there, and then you've got Spotify ads, and you can see everything really coming together for this kind of um, at legit um, ad platform. So I, I dig it. And hopefully more advertisers will jump on board, and then they'll have more revenue, and they'll be able to fix those buggy things you don't like about it. So better all around. All right, unless you've been living down under a rock for the last week or so, you're probably well aware that something's going on between Australia and Facebook. There's a lot between Facebook and Australia, like half the globe. <laughs> Facebook's not a place. It's everywhere. Okay. <laughs> so, State of mind, man. Fair enough. So is Australia. After we recorded last week, the news broke that Facebook had essentially banned all news posts in Australia, as well as any posts from users elsewhere that linked to Australian news sources. In addition to that, Australian news publishers were blocked from sharing or posting even to their own Facebook pages. And I love I love the fact that they didn't just complain and whine about it and be like, well, we might not be able to show our news. There's like, see ya. Yeah. There we go. They took it away, which is kind of rash, but whatever. Hey, you did you didn't you didn't threaten it. They just no, they went and did it. They did it. That's a strong move. It is. And actually, apparently, publishers took a hit, unfortunately, which is very sad, but Facebook made their point. So some Australian publishers reported a 50% drop in their website traffic with this. And we'll have a graphic in the show notes in the video if you're watching on YouTube of just that chart of traffic from social media today. So wild, wild things. And this whole move was, to quote Facebook's in-platform notification for blocked posts when someone was trying to share it, was in response to Australian government legislation. So they just what came out and said it. This is why we are doing this. And that is the legislation that we've talked about on the show before where Facebook and Google are, would be required to negotiate with Australian news sites for licenses to link to their content. 
So we talked about that with Google before. This is what Facebook is doing. And that was last week. So a lot happened in a couple of days. And now, as of recording, this whole thing appears to be settled, at least for now. And to quote Facebook again here, after further discussions, we are satisfied that the government has agreed to a number of changes and guarantees that address our core concerns about allowing commercial deals that recognize the value our platform provides to publishers relative to the value we receive from them, end quote. So they didn't make nice just because they don't have to pay. It's not that. They're just essentially the Australian government made some changes to give them more time to make those deals with publishers and figure out what's going on. So it's probably not over, over, but, you know, the Australian publisher pages are supposed to be being restored in the next couple of days. And that was from an article that was published yesterday so that it could even be happening by now. But things are back on the up, at least for now. This is wild, wild things. I don't know what you guys think about all this. But. Mm-hmm. I can't believe they just didn't publish an article that said Australia hates small business. <laughs> <laughs> Took it out in a newspaper. <laughs> now it's time for this week's Take of the Week. This is a hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up for you. We simply deliver the take for your consumption. We give no opinions. We don't influence. You make the call. And this week's take of the week comes from Larry Chasse from 707 Marketing. I think I got that right. I actually went to pronunciation, but he told us how to say it before and I forgot. (laughs) But 707 Marketing's Larry's, and he sent us a fantastic gift box. He is just the, the greatest power listener out there. And he said, a draft that never went live. It should be an insightful conversation. I redacted the rep's name to protect the innocent. Gotta love automated systems. Here's an idea. If impressions equal zero, do not send email. And the email reads, hi, Larry, blank here, your Facebook marketing expert. I see you've recently completed your campaign and I'd like to share your campaign results. Below is a highlight of your results. Total impressions, zero. Total clicks, zero. Click the rates, 0.0. I'd love to walk you through the results in detail as well as share recommendations so you can achieve even stronger results for future campaigns. So I got a laugh out of that and hopefully you did too. Thank you, Larry. And now it's time for this week's I-C-Y-M-I. This is something you just might not have seen. Maybe something you overlooked. But you shouldn't have I-C-Y-M-I people from Mark Irvine at Mark Irvine 89 on Twitter. Random PPC trivia I learned today. A negative keyword will only prevent your ads from showing up if that word appears within the first 16 words of a search term. 16 plus word search terms are still very rare, but huh? What a weird quirk. And then he responded to himself, I think the weirdest part of this is the number 16. (laughs) Google only lets your keywords be 10 words long, and I believe this was once the same. So why is 16 specifically? Is Google still really hex here? And why not consistently hex then? What the hex? And I, my, one of my favorite things that was a reply to this was from um, Timothy Jensen, where he was like, oh, like, that's why I could never block those really long queries that are college students mm-hmm. trying to find the answers the answer. to homework because they the keywords at the end of that query and it's more than 16 words long. Now it's time for this week's lightning round. Pew, pew. At this point in the show, we split up our content into three parts, paid, organic, and social. 
First up in the paid news this week, a rumor we've been dreading since September has officially been confirmed. From Susan Winograd at SEJ at Susan E. Dub on Twitter, responsive search ads are now default type for Google Ads. The good news is that you can still create and edit expanded text ads. It's just that responsive search ads will now be the default. Um, the bad news is, like, kind of puts the writing on the wall that this will eventually go away, like we saw with regular text ads, and they made expanded text ads the default. Um, and it's in classic Google fashion. Um, you can still make your ETAs, but there's like a few extra steps to do it if you're doing it in the platform rather than on desktop editor. So when you hit that little plus button to make a new ad, expanded text ads don't show up as an option. You have to click responsive search ad. And when you're in the interface for responsive search ads, there's a little blue hyperlink text um, where you hit switch back to text ads. So that's a lot of extra steps, but you can still do it. So I would recommend doing it in the desktop editor and not in the Google Ads online interface if you're making an expanded text ad, because who wants to do that many clicks? Not me. Next up from Dwayne Brown at Dwayne Brown on Twitter. Google is sunsetting showcase shopping ads April 1st, 2021. I don't think this is an April Fool's joke. <laughs> <laughs> this is really early. <laughs> it's a long con. Yeah, it's actually going to be everything as a showcase shopping ad. <laughs> oh, boy. He says, I personally love showcase shopping ads, but I know 99% of brands don't use it now or ever ran it in the past, at least for ad accounts we audit as a third party or for brands we take over account management for. And I think the really interesting take on this was from Kirk Williams at PPC Kirk, um, responding to Amanda Baumer at Finding Amanda. And he says, just saw that. I'm curious if this means that the ad type itself is going away or just the ability to segment these out within the UI, which would be like very Google shopping where they don't want to give you a choice. They're just going to do what Google thinks is best. And that would be very interesting if they started doing that. Next, from Mike Rhodes, at the Google guy. Snagged that handle up. (laughs) And he says, group rose by? Anyone else seeing this in their Google Ads segments? Is it new? And then it's a screenshot of his different audience types. And he is able to group them by um, either none, as the default is, type, campaign, ad group, or audience. And I think this is kind of cool. Not a huge thing, but just kind of makes things easier to see at the platform. Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't want to be using an affinity, you only want to be using in-market, it's easy to flag that. I dig um, it. So that's cool. Like, it's so much less cluttered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It'll make it so much less cluttered. Especially then- when you have, like, a million observation audiences on a campaign, yes. and you're just like, oh, dear. <laughs> like, how do I even, like, make decisions based off of these? Mm-hmm. Oh, dear. But the the only issue here, there's really only one Google guy, the Google guy from Webmaster World, who eventually turned into Matt Cutts. So that's the only problem I see. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> Matt Cutts, d- deep. <laughs> nothing to be sorry about here. We're all we're all fun and games. Last up in the paid news this week. Google attribution reports now include YouTube and display ads. 
So you'll now be able to see how YouTube search and display can work together to drive a conversion via a conversion path. This makes sense. Google's chief evangelist, Nicholas Darvaux Garneau, great rhyming there, has been pushing advertisers to use this attribution model at every conference he's been at recently. Like I had to listen to his inbound conference, which was, yeah. Um, but, you said it was worse than that. Yeah. Being nice. <laughs> people were like asking questions and they were getting ignored. So like Andrea um, Cruz and a couple other people and I were like responding and giving them actual answers. It was basically just like, let the automation do its job. And we're like, mm, that's not how it should work. And we were like actually helping people answer Google ads questions because at, at inbound, um, a lot of the people are very new and it's like a lot of kind of one-on-one stuff, especially at these big main stage panels like this one was. So it was a lot of people who were just like, honestly, just looking for Google ads help. They don't know what they're doing and they were being led down this wrong path. So there were a couple of us who actually do PPC professionally that were in there helping actually answer questions while, um, Mr. Darvo Garneau was kind of spewing what we would normally call Google Ads propaganda, but again, we're giving them a break this week because they were nice to mm -hmm. us. And I actually have live transcript of what you and Andrea had said. Um, ra random audience member, what should I do to to increase performance in my Google Ads account? At Mark Saltarelli. Raise your budgets. That <laughs> 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 Andrea <laughs> Broad match. JK, just joking. Mm -hmm. Dismiss those. Kidding. Yeah. But basically his point was that he pretty much admitted that YouTube and display aren't going to generate a positive return on their own. And that if you're using them, you should look at your Google ads account as a whole um, to see like the ROI and Google ads account as a whole. And while I think that is bad advice, it's okay advice if you're using these conversion paths and you can actually track that without these conversion paths, it's bad advice with them. That might actually work. Oh, what is that? We're going right to organic this week. Wait, right to me? There's, right to you. There's no section about beyond Google Ads. No, we're we're a Google Ads podcast now. Because maybe we Google switched. cares. We're that fickle, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I wore my shirt. We didn't talk about it. I know. It. I tried to find my shirt, but it was dirty. Yeah. Well, mine was clean. I wore it. Oh Sorry. well, I'm happy that Google Ads is at least trying to care about yes. us now. So. Why don't you take it away with organic, All right. Greg? Well, somebody that is desperately trying to care about <laughs> its listeners, Spotify has some new tools for podcasts. So a few of the new items is that Spotify has partnered with WordPress so that you can turn written content directly into podcasts and you can instantly embed your podcast into, Word into WordPress. <laughs> um, <laughs> I still got Mark Irvine on my mind there. Um, so you can basically instantly turn a blog post into a podcast and then instantly embed the podcast in your blog post. And this sounds bad, but I kind of dig it. I kind of dig it. Like if you can immediately be like, you want this blog content? You can listen to each post. I drive a lot. I'd download it. And then on my way home, I'd fire that thing up and hear what Barry Schwartz has to say. You I know, just like, hope it's good. Like it reads well or... That's ears listens well. Yeah, that's yeah. the that's the big key. If you can get celebrities to somehow like read this, that'd be phenomenal. That's mm. what I want. I wonder if you could like start using Cameo to do that. 
That'd so be if great. You just, like, what does a cameo cost? Like twenty bucks. You can just have them read your pod. Uh, your <laughs> have the cameo celebrity read your blog post. Yeah, and then just include that at the bottom of your blog post. <laughs> this That's is actually how this hack. works. I like the Gilbert Gottfried plugin for one hundred dollars, please. <laughs> <laughs> also, Anchor will enable more creators to add videos to their podcast. The functionality is currently available to music artists and some podcasters. Again, the podcasters that it works for, it's really flawed. And so don't expect it coming out anytime soon. And then lastly, there's interactivity tools like polls and Q&A features for podcasters using Anchor. And they also announced they'll be launching a new Hi-Fi, that's High Fidelity, subscription option later this year. Hey, Christoph, check it out. For users that want to experience the highest quality audio available. And my only issue is... If you listen to podcasts, there's like 1% that have good audio. It is so hard it's to have hard. good audio. It's hard. It is every week. <laughs> it is a grind to have good audio. So imagine like hi-fiing garbage audio. That can't work. They called it CD quality too, didn't they? Oh, yeah. They it, which I thought was adorable. Did you say CD? Yeah. My CD's scratched. <laughs> I actually have it on my like Walkman CD player that's on a clip. So every time I like walk on an even surface, it skips a lot. So... CD quality, high five. Great audio quality. (laughs) All right, and YouTube is adding new ways for creators to make money. Welcome YouTube applause. Viewers can purchase applause on videos they enjoy to support their favorite creators directly. And what will happen is for the person that is applauding, a little graphic comes on with balloons and people smiling, and then it's a one-time animation. Only they can see, only the the person paying can see it and the money is sent. I love being able to pay creators for their work. I just cannot believe that there are people out there that are like, I'm gonna pay you to see this graphic once, just mm-hmm. me. It's interesting because I, I know why YouTube is doing it because a lot of creators like who can't get enough monetization from YouTube ads will put their videos early on Patreon and then you pay Patreon to give the like a dollar to <laughs> like, pay the creator so they're trying to be like no like still post your videos early and people can just pay you i actually don't hate this i think when you're doing the live stuff and you can pick between badges and sparkling cat you know pop tarts and stuff (laughs) like that it's like what are we doing but if you just have your bank account hooked up and you listen to this coming marketing a talk there's a place where you're gonna give andrea cruz spoiler alert applause for something she said and Again, I guess that money would go to Search Engine Journal, but like in reality, <laughs> um, it would be cool to just be able to just be like, oh, that was really helpful and almost just pay instantly. Like that would be mm-hmm. cool, especially if the creator could see where in the video is deriving the most value because That'd then we, because be cool. we'd be like, oh, look, nobody likes the organic section. Whoever's doing it is doing it wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's no applause yeah. there. We'll just have to like, Put Andrea Cruz's Venmo link in the description <laughs> yeah. of the video, so Applaud like everyone here. can just like buy her a coffee when they get excited when she says that. Yeah, we can buy her Corgi a few boops. Okay, and then also <laughs> for oh YouTube, there is e-commerce, and they're testing a feature that will allow users to make purchases without leaving the site. We talked about this a few months ago, where they said it's going to be the e-commerce platform. No, I mean, it makes a total sense to like support folks if we're like, oh, you should go check out this tool. And then, or I guess that doesn't make sense. Oh, you could buy this shirt and it's a Google partner shirt because we're pro partners. Um, that would, I mean, we'd go to jail, 
<laughs> that one specifically. But it makes a lot of sense. And I, again, I watch now, I'm, I've gone off the deep end and I watch bushcraft videos now and people are talking about reviews and logging and knives and axes, the hatchet. And if you put that up and you could just buy one and you didn't have to leave the video and it was like seamless, that makes sense. So I dig it. And next up from Andrew Hutchinson, YouTube ads, new comparative data tools in YouTube studio and info on other channels your audience watches. So one of the really cool things you could do now is select a time and see performance of the videos during that time frame and how they compare against your other videos. So you can see what really hits, what doesn't. You can see top videos. You can see videos in the bottom. Try to find things. Maybe it's video length. Maybe it's a type of video and see what rises to the top and just running through the Search Engine Journal channel. Um, it was the video with Mark, Anu, and Ginny that was the, the top video. Um, and then you can see some of the bottom videos. And I'm not going to mention what those were. <laughs> 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 then, you can also, there's a new card coming where you can see other channels that your audience watches. And I couldn't find that, but that's actually helpful. You might be able to find somebody you could partner with, maybe some specific mm -hmm. content that you could like say, oh, I want to, my, my audience really digs this. I might go this direction a little bit more. Next up, YouTube has confirmed that the TikTok-inspired shorts will soon be expanded to U.S. users. Who cares? And Google had also uh, mentioned, Barry Schwartz wrote an article called Google, focus less on individual pages and more on category pages. I mean, it's a, I wouldn't take that at face value. There was a Webmaster Hangouts where it was a very specific site that was trying to rank for these random individualized pages. And I don't know. I, I, I think that Glenn Gabe, at Glenn Gabe on Twitter, had a great response where he said, John took a quick look at some pages and can see how Google's algorithms might be confused with how to show the site in search. There's just not a lot of content there. G Systems could be struggling understanding what the pages should be relevant for. So again, make sure that your individual pages or sections can be understood by a robot. Beep, borp, what's happening in social, Jess? So much, as always. First up in social this week, new tools and features for LinkedIn's company pages. The newness is focused on both organic promotion of businesses as well as facilitating employee engagement, which is cool. For the latter, admins will be able to curate content for their employees to reshare and then use a new analytics feature to actually see the reach and overall impact of their employee advocacy, which is really cool. And then on the lead gen side, there's a sweet new feature to the newish product pages that launched a couple months ago lead gen forms so they're free to use and linkedin says when a member clicks on one of your products their linkedin profile information automatically populates in an in-app form that they can submit instantly without having to type their info by hand love mark, to see it mark just fell out of his chair we need an ambulance <laughs> he, he put his hand to his heart for those that aren't watching the video i think that's really cool I've been waiting for something like yeah. this. I think it is so smart to make them useful for your organic page. Totally. I and absolutely love it. I think it will be so helpful for many companies. It really will. And it's free. So like my first thought was, oh, you might get a lot of junk because it's so easy, but you're not paying for it. So as long yeah. as you've got somebody to sift through it, this is great. No complaints. You're going to say no, no, no. Ooh, hello. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody's favorite game. All right. Love to see it. But moving on from seeing to hearing, 
Twitter has launched a live test of voice recordings in DMs in India, Brazil, and Japan. And so Twitter India tweeted, starting today, you'll be able to record and send voice messages in DMs, winky face, here's how, finger pointing down emoji. P.S. The experiment will be rolled out in phases. And then they have a little video, which is nice. It like shows a use case, I guess, when this makes sense. So I think it's fine to record a voice message and send it in a DM. But their example in the video is so stupid. It's OMG. Did you see last night's episode? No. What happened? Way too much to type. And then you record audio like call your friend. If this yeah. is a conversation you're having, it's use a phone. phone. Exactly. <laughs> Use your phone like a phone. I can see this being a useful feature, but this was not the example to tout it. Yeah. And the only time I'm really using Twitter DMs is to like send someone a tweet. And I don't want to retweet it. I just want to send it to them. Now you can read it to them. I, ta- I talk to PPC Greg and DMs like every day. Okay. That makes sense. Um, yeah. But it's like for this type of thing, like, yeah, call them, FaceTime them. There's so yeah. many other options. What do you where- do when your person is just an avatar with no name? Unknown person. What do you do then? Why are you DMing them? It's BBC Craig. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't count. It's a burner account. He's Greg of the year. We should call. We'll find a way to call him. All right. Sticking with audio. And this one is more audio. No. Clubhouse is under scrutiny for security concerns after, quote, an unidentified user was able to stream Clubhouse audio feeds this weekend from multiple rooms into their own third party website. And that's a quote from a Clubhouse spokesperson. So definitely going on. There's also been a lot of garbage going around with users on the platform spreading misinformation and then apparently harassing other users that call them out. And that's not good, especially because none of it's on paper. So I don't know how you can go after folks for that unless you have evidence like a recording, which somebody probably has. That's nice. (laughs) So wonderful. Join the club. All right. No. (laughs) (laughs) Back to LinkedIn. The platform has announced new COVID-19 recovery initiatives offering support to health organizations and nonprofits, as well as disadvantaged workers looking to get back on their feet. Not everyone is eligible, but if you do qualify, we're talking things like free job listings, free ads, and resources to support training, skill development, um, seeking, surfacing job opportunities, things like that. TikTok has announced a multi-year partnership with the UFC that will deliver exclusive content on the platform, including weekly live streams with pre- and post-fight footage, behind-the-scenes action, and more. Just they better keep their rings clean and their teeth in or they'll be fighting the algorithm. And finally, rounding it out here with just a couple of updates from Snapchat, the platform released new insights on Gen Zers, a.k.a. the Snapchat generation. So if your brand is on Snap, you should definitely read the full thing. But the TLDR is that they're willing to spend money. They don't like brands that promote social views they're not aligned with, and they tend to prefer communicating with pictures over words. Seems like a no-brainer. We're doomed. Yeah. (laughs) They also, speaking of doom, released new data on the rising effectiveness of six-second ads. So there's that. And there's lots of data in this as well. It's shocking that the platform is like, oh, people love six-second ads. Like, a little Mm. convenient there, don't you think? Yeah, you shouldn't believe self-serving studies. I know, it's crazy. (laughs) If... I don't know. Next up, one second ads work better than six second ads. (laughs) Here's six of them. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it's, I don't know. Read the thing if you're on the platform. There's lots of data in there. There was an interesting finding about the use of custom platform-specific content versus repurposed materials, which you would think would make a difference, but maybe not. So again, if you're on the platform, if you're advertising there for your brand, it's good food for thought. Again, take it with a grain of salt. It was released by Snapchat, but still worth a read. And that brings us to our real life segment, straight out of our accounts and into your ear holes. It's time for Working Hard or Hardly Working, where we talk about what's going on in our IRL work, good, bad, or otherwise. Yeah, I think Microsoft advertising may have turned on us. I don't know about you guys, but I've been getting much, much more bad close variant matches on Microsoft that I have been. I know like theirs has always been worse than Google's, but I had a campaign I had to completely pause for a client that's a new client because 75% of spend for this campaign was on search terms that had a completely different intent than the keywords I was bidding on. And they were all like partials of the keyword I was bidding on. So they were really difficult to negate. And then I wanted to go talk to Microsoft advertising support and the queue was like 18 people long and I'm really busy this week and I can't just sit there and wait. And we no longer have our own dedicated agency rep. And it's just sad. I mean, they reached out to me on Twitter after I tweeted about them and I just haven't had time to respond. So I hope I can get a refund, but please, please fix that Microsoft. And also people make sure you're keeping a close eye on your search terms on Microsoft because it's a mess. Man, how this podcast has changed. <laughs> it's amazing what a week can do. <laughs> I know. Jess, what do you got? So for me, just a little peek into how Cypress North likes to do things that has been working really, really well for us. A rolling call agenda, which is as simple as a Google Doc or however you want to do it that just keeps a running history, a living history of what you talk about on calls each week. So it's all right there. If you want to refer back to something, you can put links into things that you've done and just have that in all in front of you when you're on a call with clients. We've got a client that we're, we've been doing weekly calls and then we switched to bi-weekly. And so now with the less regular communication, it's, you know, even though two weeks isn't that long of a time, it's just nice to have that point of reference in front of you. And it's worked really well and our clients love it too. So. Yes. And I had a client this week where we're comparing week seven of 2021 versus uh, week seven last year, and I just pulled up something and showed, hey, in week six, there, this was still an issue as well, and it's still here in week six. So it's not like a one-week mm-hmm. thing. It's something that we've seen. It just saves so much time going that route. Yeah, and I love it just like I always start with copying last week's and pasting it and then updating it. It makes it super easy to be like, this is where this project is now. Exactly. And the other thing I love with clients who are very savvy with this type of thing, I can you can like tag them in the agenda or when they owe something as a reminder and we like tag each other and things and they refer back to it. I link to things in the CRM and they go and look at it. It's just really easy. Really okay. easy. Keeps you on track. And speaking of that client that I was talking about, we had a weird Friday from a sales standpoint, and I might have mentioned this before, but one issue when you're looking at, at conversions or especially anything e-commerce in Google Ads, there's a lag in conversions. And you can still see f- near real-time data in Google Analytics if you go to a one-day view and you go to your e-commerce. You can still see what's coming in and you can sort by you know whatever you're allowed to see last touch that's non-direct basically come through um, in a, a daily basis by the hour. So it's a good thing to do if you're 
think there might be an issue and you can kind of sort that out before it becomes an issue 24 hours later. So Google Analytics can give you some insight that Google Ads doesn't real time. And now for this week's cool tool. As a reminder, our cool tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners and is really, really cool. All right, this week's cool tool is SERP Speed from Redico. And this tool lets you compare page speed with other sites at the keyword level, meaning you can see how you stack up against the best ranking pages for a particular search term, which is totally rad. SERP Speed uses Lighthouse data combined with its own intelligence system to provide not only insights, but also actionable recommendations on how you can improve your site. It's pretty in-depth and it's free to use. So just grab the link from our newsletter and check it out. Now it's time for our must-read marketing article of the week. An article so advanced, so in-depth, so detailed, that we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. And this week's must-read marketing article of the week is a domain. It is learningseo.io. So learning SEO, yo. <laughs> and there's a, it's essentially a roadmap with free resources that you can go through and pick and choose what you want to learn. It's sort of a curated list. And in it, you can check off what you've read mm. and you can see what it is. Is it a guide? Is it a course? Is it a video? And then who the author is. So you might be able to go through and be like, oh, that person, I'm going to skip that one, but I'm going to check out you know, all the courses from X. So it's a really cool curated list that you can see. And the it is created by somebody reputable, Aleda Solis. So at Aleda on Twitter. And I would check it out, learningseo.io. Thank you, Aleda. All right. That does it for today's show. It is now officially not Marketing O'Clock. Remember, you can catch everything from the show on marketingoclock.com. While you're there, please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock, part of the Search Engine Journal Podcast Network. If you're looking for more information on today's topics, head over to marketingoclock.com for links to all the articles that we covered. And please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. Welcome to this week's Shooting Hack, where after our famous Friday news show, we don't talk about marketing anymore. We just shoot the hack. This week, we're playing everybody's favorite game. Travel Buddies, the two kinds of people spinoff where you get to choose who you're going on a trip around the world in a post or pre-COVID time, mm. and you get to travel with one of two types of people. There's a right answer, a wrong answer. You three, Jess, Mark, Caleb, get to make a choice together, and I'll tell you if you're right or wrong. And this is all kind of the in taking shots edition where we take shots at each person here in the room. So first off, take shots at myself. Mm. Are you going to travel? with somebody that is an avid barbecuer or somebody that's an avid bread maker? Hmm. None of that has to do with traveling. I feel like I don't care. What yeah, I know. This is the funny part because you never understand the game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like when I'm traveling somewhere, I want to do things that are outside and someone who's a barbecuer likes doing things outside and like being outside whereas like i feel like people who really making bread are like more like homebodies like introverted i'm like assigning character traits to these things that are kind of abstract mm.
So I think I'm gonna like I think barbecue. What I can guys think. Yeah. yeah, I think barbecue as well. Okay. okay. Yeah, that was really good logic. Unfortunately, just <laughs> missed because you were really <laughs> close. The issue is the barbecuer is gonna gonna be able to add things, but somebody making bread is like a magician and be able to create things out of little ingredients. They're a creator. And so if you're out and you need something done, you, you're, you're in, a, in a bind, you're gonna want somebody that knows how to create. That's why you go with the bread maker. Okay, now we're gonna take a little shot at Caleb here. Ooh. Are you going with, on a traveling trip across the, country, the globe with a Star Wars fan or a Star Trek fan? I don't know which one you are, Caleb. Yes, I do. Okay. We're going with the Star Wars fan. Oh, He's on okay. our team. Yes. Yeah. No, obviously. Yeah. And I know very little about Star Trek, except when I've watched it with my roommate's dad while he's been cooking. And I <laughs> forgot which one it was, but he told me it was the worst version of Star Trek. And it was just so like a like soap opera, but in space. And it was <laughs> awful. So just on that merit, I agree. Star Wars. Yeah, Caleb, there's... your thoughts? Uh, it's funny. I'm a, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. My dad is a big Trek guy. Ooh. And Ooh, there's a that... quote that no one hates Star Wars more than Star Wars. And there's another quote that no one hates everyone else more than Star Trek fans. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I would definitely say Star Wars fan is the way to go on that one. Yeah. All right. want to travel with Caleb's dad. All right, let me check here. <laughs> you're, you're actually incorrect. Caleb's dad was correct. Come on! Because what? the thought is... Star Trek has been around for a longer time and you want to really get the culture in when you go to these different places. And you can be like, Star Trek transcends everything. Cause you can be like, yo, uh, Billy Shatner, ho. And everybody will know that across all generations. You could be like, Spock, you'll live long and prosper. Like not everybody knows like Baby Yoda and all that stuff. Yeah. So it's really just, you're going to get a much more traditional feel to those travels if you're well-versed mm -hmm. in Star Trek. You are reaching it's just fast. I, I like is, to be. Oh, sorry. I was gonna say Star Wars is super generational. Like you know, every mm -hmm. age group has their own. So yeah, but I like being the like <laughs> historical guide, and I'm the one telling everyone the facts on the trip. So I don't want the person who knows everything. Oh well, sorry, you're wrong. Okay, and then <laughs> quickly, here, all right, somebody that likes death metal or somebody that is into classical. How do you know I'm not both? <laughs> this is shots at Jess. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer someone who likes corn. Thank you. Caleb thought. I would go with someone who's more into classical because, it, you know, I would associate like calm and structured feelings with someone who's listening to like Beethoven mm -hmm. on the plane or something. Yeah. But don't you want to like, God, have a good time on your trip? All right, no, we need I, an answer I, here. I, I agree with Caleb because I, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Josh. I was so um, on board no, with both of you. No, because when I'm like traveling, I care more about like the history. Like I have a lot of fun when I'm home and doing like wild like metal things, but when I travel, I want to like soak up the history. So I say classical. Final answer, um, two classical votes, classical. And Caleb's ration, rationale was absolutely correct, but not for the scenario. <sighs> that is who you want for a roommate, somebody structured, reasonable. <laughs> I said vacation and you want death metal. You want to have fun, you want to get out there and you want to see stuff. So NASCAR. <laughs> <laughs> NASCAR, yeah. <laughs> Let me get uh, Denny Hamlin here. Okay, so are you going to travel, last one here, with an amateur drink mixologist or an amateur food mixologist, somebody that just mashes food around and comes up with their own meals? Mark your thoughts. I, 
just feel like the food one is a little bit more nauseating for me. That's how you get food poisoning on a trip. Ruins your trip. Like, and it's like if you make a bad drink, it's really easy to dispose of. You can just dump it. Um, also, I do hate wasting alcohol, though, so that's kind of a, <laughs> uh, a drawback. But, like, I feel like bad food is so much harder to get rid of, and it, like, smells, and, like, you don't want your, like, place you're staying to smell. I agree. Yeah, I would go with that, too, because, you know, food is a bit more permanent, I'd say. And, like, the aftertaste and smell is going to be there for a while. You are what you eat. Right. Yeah. Yes. Mm-mm-mm. That... Wow, that's deep. Very good, but I think everybody missed one of the key points here. Amateur mixologists. And as much damage as you can get, the worst thing you're going to have with an amateur food mixologist, which I just made up, (laughs) is that you're going to be in the bathroom for a little bit. The problem is we're going global, and if somebody pours a little too heavy, you are going to be in like a saw type scenario overseas <laughs> and we don't want that so unfortunately you went 0 for 4 this week but I hope we'll get better next week and we will see you next week good thing we can't travel 